Hey, what's up? It's DeHuff. It's another episode of DeHuff on Censor. Thank you guys so much for popping on. If you haven't done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And then don't forget, I'm also on YouTube. And go to YouTube and search DeHuff on Censored. And again, like I always say, hit that subscribe button. Today's a special day. I'm sitting down with one of my favorite guys. And I've talked about him before as being one of the biggest inspirations to me and uh, senseis in the radio business. That's the one and only Scott Hastings. Scott, how you doing? Yeah, I talked you into quitting and getting out and, and realized family time is more important. But then you just... You get addicted to that little silver wiring thing that sends voices <laughs> everywhere, and you start doing successful. Well, I say I, I understand uh, on Spotify, it's Joe Rogan, Scott DeHuff Uncensored, and it's one and two going back and forth most weeks. I'm proud of it. Yeah, it's an epic battle. Um, <laughs> but, you know, hey, that's what life is, and uh, I'm taking Joe Rogan down one day at a time. Hey, hey, by the way, can, can you hear music playing behind me? Can you hear the music? No, what is it? What is it? Christmas music. What the hell? Why? We're recording uh, this, well, Scott, and it's what? What is it? May? Yeah. Yeah. May. Yeah, we, we <laughs> still have Christmas trees up, too. That's our holiday tree. We found our dog who sleeps in the living room uh, uh, is soothed by the quieting towns of uh, uh, Alexa Christmas music. So every I'm actually sitting in his bed, a la couch, uh, and, and the Christmas music. So, so if it's still is it not annoying, I'll leave the ambient kind of wonderful song because you're not going to pay for rights anyway, right? No, it, it's too faint for them to pick it up. You never know. You never All know, right. though. Yeah, I will we'll say this: YouTube is very picky on that shit. They is will. It really? They will say I've I've had stuff removed. They're like, oh, you can't do that. They're, and like, I played a song, I swear, for like five seconds, and they fucking removed it. Because they want to make, well, you know, that, if that's a great show because I, I had a good friend of mine. I think you met him one time. He passed away last summer, kind of suddenly. But he was like the king of, of downloading music, probably not properly. Right. Like, right. I don't think, I, I'll put it this way. When he passed, he never had a, uh, an Amazon music subscription. And he had, was it 13 of those, you know, those square little memory disc-like things are about the size of, of your hand? Right, yes. And I, I mean, how many? How much does that hold? He goes, well, each one holds about 133,000 records. Oh I go, songs? He goes, no, records. I go, how many you got? Uh, uh, it was between 13 and 25 of those that he had. Oh no, that's <laughs> crazy! It, it, but now you, you know. Now if I I'd say, hey, do you got any Billy D, you know, Williams, or do you got any Supremes? He goes, yeah, and he'd cut me a, you know, a, a CD or something back when, when he did the CDs <laughs> and stuff. But it was just he just he just loved music. But he was the king of downloading music. But he's the person and the reason they're so sensitive. And everybody's afraid of getting their their music stolen. That being said, it is really easy to steal music still. Like I, there was a song, my wife, uh, several years ago, I had a box of CDs and she decided I'm going to convert these to MP3 and load them on to iTunes. And I'm like, sure, why not? But what she did, Scott, was instead of actually burning the entire albums, she only burned the songs that she liked. And then she got rid of my CDs and I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for this song by Garth Brooks. Where is it? 
She's like, oh, it's, oh my, they got. Oh, she got oh, into my Garth collection, and yeah, she and, hey, don't touch the Garth. No, you can't do that, and especially Scott. I know you're being a dick right now, but no. <laughs> I've seen him multiple times at concert. I think he's fabulous. So there's these um, special tracks when you buy the box set, and on right. on the No Fences album, there was a song that he did called. This ain't Tennessee, and I just love that song, and I couldn't find it anywhere. Finally, like six months ago, I'm like, you know, in the dark web, searching for this song. Probably got several viruses on my computer, uh, but I found the song finally because you can't buy it anywhere. Oh, it just pissed. You couldn't even go to Amazon and buy the song. Took your box set. Put it down on DMP3 type or whatever it's called now. Down to your music site loud and, and but only the ones she liked and then got rid of the box set yes oh i'm still god. married to her oh my god she just stopped by i can't believe you did that that's crazy that's she's, she's gonna listen to this and be like you're an asshole <laughs> <laughs> you and i worked together you were kind of behind the scenes guy that would make appearances on the radio show, right? Because I've listened to your podcast, you still bring up Sean Connery, you know, and all the That's the, right. I see metrosexual to huff and, and stuff like that. Um, but, but now you realize that you got a mic in front of you. Some of your best material is your home life, and yet the people at home don't necessarily find it as funny as we do. <laughs> I know, I know. And that's, it's funny though. I do get a lot of people that will message me and they're like, dude, I thought I was the only one that dealt with that crap or what, whatever miscellaneous thing it is. And I'm like, oh, good. Because sometimes like on the podcast, you, you get the ability to just spew whatever's going on and vent. Right. And sometimes I'm like, is that just too inside? And then I get people messaging me saying, dude, I'm right there with you. Or, you know, so well, that makes me feel good. But you, you, once again, and, and people who don't know our relationship, you and I worked together, what, four or five years at least, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. And before I was fired before you. I didn't but, get uh, fired. I quit. Yeah, you quit. Yeah. Hey, get fired. Yeah, I didn't get fired. I didn't get fired 12 days before Christmas either. Oh, yeah. No, I did do that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm not bitter. Uh, yeah, yeah, who's better? If you remember, and, and, that, and that's the battle with you know producers and terrestrial radio all the time is well, you got to just talk football, or you you know we, we mostly did sports shows, or you got to just talk this, you got to talk this. And I've always felt the most entertaining shows are just generic, if you will, real life, real stuff happening. And I know you'll remember this. You know, when Big Al and I were doing a show together. And I think at the time it was only a two-hour show, but we we did an entire show on what tools men should have in their toolbox at home. Right. And the light blew up for two plus hours. There was a carryover the next day where like people didn't get in the day before, wanted to come in. So you got to have a miter saw. You got and it was, I mean, it it was hilarious and it was generic and. and People remind all the time when I when I was doing the radio show with Dave Logan, we got into something weird food we were eating, and I was saying, "Yeah, I used to always go over to my my uncle's house. It'd be my 
grandma's uh, grandma's sister's husband, so I guess great uncle. And, and he, he was a, a hunter. He'd always he'd like to squirrel hunt. And so we go over there Thanksgiving. There was always a a bowl of squirrel. <laughs> and we always had them. And I said, "Hey, barbecue squirrels, pretty good. A little stringy, but pretty good." And, and we did like three hours of eating stuff like that and squirrels. And I I get people, gosh, how long ago now? Twenty five years later, they'll come up to me and go. It's got a squirrel lately, <laughs> right now. They're they're in, they're in a walker. They're in a walker or, or being assisted by somebody. <laughs> but you you bring up a great point, and I've talked about this with with Schlereth, and we always used to have this battle with management. It's you can have a great sports take, that's fine, but at the end of the day, what people walk away with is the stuff that connects them to you, and the right. the the comedy, the things that brighten their day like you talk the personalities that are on the air and, and it's the same thing with podcasts too and i know there's a lot of different podcasts and, and there's people that are really good and there's probably more people doing you know podcasts now than there are available radio jobs you know anymore right so i and the, the essence of why people want to do that some are specialized and everything like that and you got to get you know you gotta get noticed somehow and, and all and all that but yeah, I'm with you, and I think, and that's you know, Andy Lindahl and I uh, were doing a podcast in COVID hit, and so we've probably been sparingly in ours. Uh, he he's doing terrestrial radio on the same station I'm doing now, but he was a producer of mine a long time ago, also, and he kind of is in the same vein I am. If if people walk away kind of smiling or laughing, they're going to come back and check in. He right. said, "Man, I had a good and listen." especially through this past two or three years with the pandemic and, and, you know, inflation now going crazy and prices going crazy and stock markets going down. People get to help beat out them enough, you know, and, and if you can give them, you know, 30 minutes of a podcast or two hours or three hours of a radio show where they go, damn, that was funny. Right. You know, then that to me is more successful. I, that's always been what I've tried to do. Now I've always been in the sports talk world uh, and I feel I have a good grasp on whatever the, the major topics today when we do our radio show and we'll hit the abs and what a great game last night, fun yeah. game to watch. Um, but you know, you still got to own that too. And you got to, you know, make that funny. Yeah. And because me personally as a listener, and that's, what's great for me now as I'm, I'm so detached that I can actually listen to different stations and go, okay, I like this and I like that. And then I can be a little bit more of a, a critical dick when I listen to shows and be like, I wouldn't tune into this because I'm not being entertained. And the, at the end of the day, I want to be entertained. And it's funny because, right. because I've talked about you before. Uh, when, when I started, it was, I did miscellaneous shows running the boards and stuff like that. But when you and Alfred had your show, I remember one, I don't know if you remember this, the very first day I worked with you guys, I go into that little tiny studio at the old building and Alfred trying to show his dominance and trying to be just kind of a dick, but be funny. He gave me that giant binder of draft profiles that had like a, Oh, you remember that? Yeah, I remember that binder. Remember, and he hands it to me, and he's like, and being total Alfred, he's just like, go make, go make me some fucking copies or whatever he said, and I'm like, 
And I remember thinking to myself, be like, this is a moment for me. Do I go make the copies for him or forever be his bitch? Or do I stand my ground? Because I don't have time for this. And I remember going, make your own fucking copies. And then you're in the corner and you just burst into laughter. And then Alfred looks at me and just starts laughing. And that's how we established our relationship was we're just, I feel like with you and Alfred and so many other of the athletes that I worked with and other talent is just, we, I always try to be just real with you guys. And, and, and I feel like that has benefited me. And I think it's benefited our shows that we're just always real. And if there's some weird shit going on in our lives that we bring it up. And I think that's why you are so successful and why so many people will come up to me and like, dude, I love Hastings. You know, I, I loved it when you guys were all together, you, Alfred. and, and Well, I'll uh, tell you a little inside secret because, you know, when we when we were doing that over at, can you say where we were? Yeah, uh, it's fine. It's fine. The only time I've ever wanted to jump, we were at like a, a fancy dinner thing and we were there representing the station and they had just broken Alfred and I up. And the station had been together for 15 years. And I think Alfred and I were the very first show in those 15 years the station had been existing that ever like hit number one. Right. And, and was recognized like the best show in Denver. And it was the first time that had ever happened with the fan. I think they'd won some for an abs, you know, the pregame, postgame shows or abs broadcast or something, but they've never had a show do anything. Yeah. And I was sitting there with one of the bosses, and I'll never forget this saying. And I, I remember talking to Spence, who was our PD at the time, and he heard me say that. And he goes, Man, I thought you were going to jump on the table. He goes, Well, yeah, we knew we had to break Big Al and Scott up because we needed to get a real radio guy in there. What? I about said, motherfucker, what? Like, looking at him, and the guy, and I think Spence to my right, he was looking at, he changed the subject real fast. <laughs> and I was like, man. Well, they broke you and Evans up right after you guys won Best Midday Show. Remember that? Yeah, they, they broke us up right after that. I asked, for, was, I asked for that plaque, too, and they didn't give me the plaque. I'm like, come on, what the fuck? Piss me and off. And then I did the show, and we were the ones that brought the fan into the FM. We were the very first show that, that went FM. Remember when we blew up the transmitter? Who was the guest in the studio? Do you remember that? When when we were in Jock Sniffer, I was up in Jock Sniffer, remember? And I blew up the transmitter, huh? <laughs> Do you remember this? Who was yep. who was the guest in studio, Scott? I don't. It wasn't. It wasn't the captain from the the the, the fishing thing, was it? I don't remember. It was Sinbad. Oh. Remember? He's like he was just like, what the fuck is going on? And like we were just we were just doing our thing. We're like it was we had to do the transmitter where they officially shut the old one off. And then you I think came up with the idea of let's just blow it up with the jock sniffer. Yeah. Which, Which was our imaginary helicopter <laughs> that the Huff would fly around and if he didn't like something in the world of Denver, he would go <laughs> now I could I can imagine it now, right? <laughs> oh, it wouldn't fly now, literally. Uh, literally, wouldn't fly now. Yeah, no, that was, yeah. But, you know. Uh, that was a different fun. time in, in radio, though, Scott. We I look back on some of those bits that we did, and I'm like, how did we get away with it? Look, you brought up metrosexual to Huff. I look at that now, and I'm like, that would not fly. <laughs> it, it was funny. <laughs> but 
It's very. Yeah. It would be one of those things where we would be pulled off the air. We also did. And listen, I, I don't mind admitting the things that we did wrong. And I can say that we've grown as individuals and as talents. And like, yeah, we learned from our mistakes. Was it a little insensitive? Yes. Did everybody laugh? Yes. So yeah, I used to laugh at that. I think we always, you always, you always said in comedy. And, and listen, Bill Morris talked a lot about that lately. We saw, you know, Chris Rock get slapped on a. On, an insensitive joke, but kind of funny. We saw uh, Dave Chappelle get attacked the other day, right? The, the dude, on, the dude had set. a yeah, the dude had a knife. Yeah, and we've lost the funny bone a little bit, you know, and, and because humor used to be at times a little insensitive. Now there's it's still allowed, but only by certain measures, you know. And listen, there's outright racist and outright bigotry and there's outright you know homophobia and all that stuff and that was never the 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 goal or the realm it was just funny and and you know our catch even with metrosexual dove was you know is the fact that here's a guy who you know didn't sound like a rough tough football guy would try to break down a football play and, and eventually get into decorating his house right or You're something like, like that <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, and basically, and what it was for us, if you think about it, wasn't a moment of us being insensitive. Might have been a moment of us being childish, but we were trying to show that that you know sports just ain't everything, <laughs> you know, and that we can laugh at it and we can have fun. There was was there some of the pride and crawled the edge, probably so. And, you know, we got to own it because it's out there probably somewhere. But and and I'm. Yeah. I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I've never wanted to hurt anybody. You know, the worst thing I did when I first woke up to this, I said something uh, about some dude that was completely bald. This was back when I was in my KOA days. I said something about, you know, something about a cancer patient or something like that. You know, and, and, you know, just off the cuff comment. And listen, we're doing live radio, you yeah. know, uh, and, and you're going to say stupid things sometimes. And the guy wrote in and said, listen, my son, is bald now because of cancer and stuff like that. And I really, that, that remark, I love your show, but that really hurt me. Yeah. And that was the first time I went, Oh, Scott. And it made me think. And, and I've never made a joke about anything like that at all since then, because I'm like, you know what, if I, and I tried to put myself and empathize with that guy. And I said, you know what? He's right. That, that, that probably, you know, and it might have only been insensitive to a small percentage of listeners, but it affected him, and, it, and especially with kids. I don't, I don't like to mess with kids and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, it, it's a different world we live in, or have lived in, or you lived in, and and you know, I, I honestly know knowing you, and you know me, and knowing half the people we worked at stink, and 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 Al, and all those guys. There was never any intent to hurt anybody. No, you know we want to do that, but I'm sure we crossed the line. You know we have to own that now, and as you said, hopefully grow from it. Exactly. But that being said, uh, Metro was pretty freaking funny. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the one funny one because we had guys, we had guys we do the show on, and we remember we did our goodbye clip for a while, and, and, and it eventually would grow. We yeah. do sign sound effects, and yeah, you know, that's right. That's right. We'd make fun of uh, Ren on the tar because he was kind of a big guy. Yeah. And, and we'd do sound effects. Hey, you want to think this on the show today? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I had all these different bits, right? And Reynolds was, I like wings, you know. <laughs> and, and 
B, BK was, you know, I don't know. We, we, but it, you'd always pick on BK. So, right. He, you're the, your line on him was funny. You did, you did the devil voice one time. Well, I can't even remember. That was that for, was D, that was for like DMAC or something like that. Under the devil. So, I don't know. We, when you started with us, because you, you same thing, you went after BK as the devil. That was pretty funny. Yeah, it's it's certainly changed, and it's it's fun because, like you know, talking about you and I were just chit chatting before doing this episode, and it's just like I'm just really happy doing this. The fact that I don't have any restrictions. I mean, I still you're like you. He's like, I love the podcast, but you cuss a lot. One thing, a lot. I learned a lot about radio comedy from you, and I've credited you several times on this podcast. And it's because you, one, you got to be real, because people know when you're fake. And it's just like I don't, I don't want to be fake on this. And two, it's just like I understand that like being funny is just like you got to give it in little doses. And like, and also, you've said this numerous times about. Why and why I end up cussing is because I feel like I want to sit down like I'm at a bar with somebody right, right. and, and with just your buddies, right? with buddies. And and it's funny because I've talked to several listeners where they're like, "Sky, it feels like we're just sitting down, just shooting the shit." And I'm like, "That's exactly what I want. That's what yes. I want." Where you're just sitting there going, "Oh my god, Scott, why did you just say that? That's so stupid. I can't believe you said that." And, and you know how that is. Sometimes when you just get going and you just get verbal diarrhea, next thing you know, you're talking about monkey dicks. And who, I don't know how I got there, but I'm there. And it's just like, it's just a real conversation. And I learned, and, and to get a little sensitive, I learned that all, a lot of the comedy from you. And I really can't credit anybody else other than myself, you know, in a weird way. But it's just like you... We're the first one that just like you don't want to do bits too long, whereas you know like our old program director would be like, "Hey, that jock sniffer bit was funny. Let's do it for two more segments," and be like, "You can't do that, Tim." No, no, no. you <laughs> got to go ahead and get him a hit. You, you want to lead them right up to where they want a little bit more, but it almost could be too much, and then you got and then and then you don't bring it back for a while. You know, right. some of it. You know, so, some recurring characters you always want to bring back in certain situations, right? And, yeah, and that's another thing. I, I learned from a guy who is a big time producer, Don Martin, who now basically started Fox sports radio. And, and he's uh, one of the biggest PDs in LA and stuff now. Um, but, but our idea of our show, he wanted it to be like the old tonight show, a variety show. You bring in guests, you bring in comments, you got guys back and forth. Here comes doc Severinsen in for a, you know, a segment just for a couple of quick comments. And so I've always, I've always liked radio where, it, and, it, and even when Dave was coaching high school, so it would just be me, but it would be me, you know, running the show, but I had an ensemble of casts, right? I had two guys who would always do bits. Our board op, you know, Ashley Sarazen, who now works for my daughter over at Dish Network at Sling. Oh, wow. Um, you know, he would come in with, with funny bits and, and it was just, it was like an ensemble of, you know, how can we entertain and do, bring the most entertaining stuff to people for three hours. And I, and I don't know if it was right or wrong. I'm still stuck in it. 25 years later, I get, and people go, well, you, you know, what are you tired? You know, and I hate this now because every, you know, we can make fun of everything except old people. I don't know if you can tell. I've got gray hair now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not tired. I'm not old. I don't not like doing what I'm doing, but I hate boring ass radio. 
Right. And, and if, if I'm breaking down the seventh round draft pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars for 20 minutes, I don't give a flip. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't, that's, you know, I can throw a comment in, but now if you want to keep, you know, here's a comment. Now we're going to do this for another 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know how many times I listen to a radio show and it's just like, it's just people doing analytics and just breaking down the stats. And it's like, I don't, I don't fucking care about that shit. Just, no. get, just entertain me, entertain me, monkey. You know, dance and you know. Anyway, no. Hey, one of the big reasons I I brought you on was because of the whole Nikola Jokic winning MVP. That hasn't been officially announced, though, right? Like, no, it's supposed to be officially announced Friday, but a guy named. Adrian Wojnarowski, who's kind of like the Adam Schefter of the NBA, right? Right. Uh, when he says stuff, it's usually from pretty good source. And now he works for ESPN. So yeah. you know they're getting all the all the leaks and all the good info. But yeah, it looks like he's going to win two in a row. Probably should win two in a row, to be honest with you. Um, I've said it, and I've said it for a long time. I've said it, you know. I think I was the first guy on him, but five years ago, after I watched, you know, about a half a season, I said, dude, this guy does, does and plays different than anybody I've ever seen play. I said, he's got a chance. In fact, we were in London doing a game when the Nuggets were over there, and I had a buddy that I played basketball with uh, in the pros, Isaiah Thomas, and I, I told Isaiah before the game, I said, watch this kid. I said, Isaiah, I think he's got a chance to be the best player that's ever played for the Nuggets. He goes, oh, you know, Alex English. I said, dude, I'm telling you. So he played. He came in right at halftime. He goes, dude, this guy's unbelievable. I said, who does he remind? Is he is he like a Vladi? Is he, you know, who's, he reminds me of Magic Johnson. <laughs> wow. And this is like five, six years ago, right? Whenever, when he was like 22 years old, 23 years old. Um but no, nah, he's he he's the best player. If he didn't play anymore ever, I think he's the best player that's ever played for the Denver Nuggets. He deserved to be uh, the MVP when they when they when he was gone. They were a shell of a basketball team. You know, they're a lottery team without him probably this year with all the injuries. But uh, and, he, and he's a humble dude. You know, we you, you've been at Pepsi Center, the Ball Arena now, right? Yeah. back in the bowels and everything where the media room is. It's mm-hmm. right there by the locker room. And You know, we, we used to have cameras set back in there and you'd watch the guys come back in after games. And I remember one game, he had a nice game, but they got beat, tough loss. It, and the family room was right there. And all the wives and all the kids that came to the game would line the hallway to just wait for Joker. And he would come to each little kid and pick him up and throw him up in the air. And each kid, and you could, kids are reaching for him. And this, and I saw him do it on wins. So it's one thing when a guy's happy we won the game, but I saw him do it on losses too. And these kids didn't care what the score of the game was. And, and you remember there's that line in uh, was it in Tin Cup when you could tell the real character of a guy is when the cameras aren't on who he really is. Mm-hmm. And I've always been stuck with that line, right? And, and and we watched Joker after a tough loss going there, and he's throwing these little kids up in the air and playing with them. And I'm going, okay, that. So now he's a great basketball player. He's a real dude, right? Yeah. And and we got him here in Denver, which I think I, I hope. And I know I'm kind of more of a basketball guy, but I hope people 
people in Denver really appreciate what they got right now because th- th- this is like Denver has like a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, LeBron James type in their city right now. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing is I, I don't know if they do because he is a special player, but hopefully, hopefully, and that's another thing is just like uh, hopefully uh, eventually more of Colorado is able to see him play and we don't need to t- get into that whole TV uh, disaster that's going on. But uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about Jokic is do you think that he's going to be able to continue at this pace? Because with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being out for you know so much, like it's all on him. Is he? Yeah. Is is that? Well, and, and that's why he won the back to back. That's why he won the second, you know, the second MVP. Because I think real basketball people realize that he was doing that with those numbers, and every night. It was about beating him, right? Slowing him down, and the league couldn't. I mean, he's, he's the first guy in the history of the NBA to score over 2,000 points, get over, what, 1,000 rebounds and over 500 assists. I mean, when you think about that, you think, well, gosh, I think more guys did that. No. No no guy in 75 years in the history of the NBA has ever done that, which that, that's kind of a freaky stat alone. And he did that when – when everybody's team was the main focus was to stop him and right. he still did something no one's ever done. So yeah, I just, I repeated, but I, I hope that the people in Denver appreciate what they have here because they, you know, it's kind of like the Avs. I mean, I mean, you know, McCarr and, and McKinnon are two guys right now that are going to be, you know, if they continue what they're doing, they're going to be hall of fame players. Joker's going to be a hall of fame player. And, you know, as as good as some of the other guys we've had in town and other sports, you know, I mean, the Hall of Fame kind of says you're the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So, pretty big. I'm not going to play the audio because I don't trust my computer. Uh, but Charles Barkley came out in it, you know, kind of tongue in cheek and was saying because he he's tired of all these fans in the stands just mouthing off at players. I'm sure that happened to you when you played back in the day. And he jokingly said, give me five minutes at halftime and, you know, nobody's going to sue anybody for this, but let's, let's settle this at half court, you know, essentially saying let's, let's fight at in, you know, mid, mid court. Now, obviously he's joking, but do you, one, do you think today's NBA players could, you know, hold their ground as much as back in the day in the eighties when you played? So you're saying today's NBA is made up of soft players as far as fisticuffs. That's what you're saying. Way to put words in my mouth. No, I'm not saying that, but yeah, they are. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sure there's tough guys and everything. And Listen, I remember talking to a guy that played in the NBA in the 60s and 70s, and him telling me, yeah, you guys, you think you were so tough, and it was, it was so physical. That wasn't even close to what it was when we played. I was like, Wow. Okay. You know, so it's probably been like that through era, through era, through era. Nah, you know what? You know what it is. What? what and if you can break through the joke and the funny and 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 the people being hurt and all the different stuff that's going on with the incident that happened in Dallas, and we've seen it. You've seen this in the first time, but but since the two years of the lockup, and then all of a sudden people came out and around people again. It's like. 
you know, these social media warriors, and you've seen it probably even with the stuff you do, now all of a sudden they're in arenas. And they've lost that filter of an iPad or a, or a phone or a computer, right? They've, they've lost that filter that separates the now. And, and I, it's, it's almost like people don't know how to act anymore, right? It's, it's, it's really changed. So, listen, it, you know, there was a great song by the Osmonds, and I know that you've got on one of your favorite playlists that uh, you put in your cool pickup and, and put it on all the time. But uh, the, what, what's the line? One bad apple can spoil the whole bunch, girl. Yeah, give me one more chance before you give up on love. So forgot you had an <laughs> angelic voice. Right, no, take yourself back there. <laughs> It's such a dork. Yeah, hey, be careful. You have mama come down them steps. You put that song on one more time. Be careful there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think it's, I think we've become a, a bit uncivil. And there's been norms that, that are, are acceptable now that probably weren't acceptable. You know, the, there's not many John Waynes anymore that could go, well, well, I ain't going to hit you, Pilgrim. I said, I ain't going to hit you. Like hell, I ain't. You know, you, you don't have that anymore. You, your guy gets punched in the mouth; and he deserves it. But I don't know, man. So it's you know what? It's a weird time. You know, it goes back. You know, full circle. We started talking about it when we started this. You know, there, there's a lot more people more sensitive on certain things. There's a lot more people don't handle close contact like I think they probably used to. And and to be honest with you, though, there's always been loud mouths. There's always been loud mouths, but now I think our sensitivity to that has changed. Also, we don't we don't take it as well. I was going to say you're a loud mouth, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, real quick, who's the? It's kind of a I guess a cliche question, but who's the one guy that you worked over really well in a fight on on the court in the NBA? And once one guy that you just feared. Uh, well, there was a uh, this cheerleader in Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I don't know if I ever worked out. See, I had a philosophy. Here's another thing people think. See, Charles thinks he can fight. You, you know, you and I, when we were doing those shows together, how many MMA guys we had in there? Do you think Charles Barkley, any of the MMA guys we ever had in there could be any one of them? <laughs> no. <laughs> and Charles is a big, big, strong dude, right? But no, <laughs> he, right. I mean, come on now. So, but an NBA, an NBA tough, and even when I play, I always said there's going to be three punches. And all I wanted to do is be able to land two of the three because then everybody jumps on you and breaks you up, separates you. And so it wasn't about being tough. It's just, you know, stupid. You can't be afraid to get hit. Mm. So, you know, I, I got a bunch of skirmishes and, and, Get the first guy to miss that, and then you just go out. Boom, boom, then all of a sudden everybody's on. Um, one guy I tried that too was a guy named Sidney Green, 6'9, probably about 240, played in Chicago, and, and I had braces on. Um, I had braces on that year. Well, I think on the top or bottom, maybe the bottom, I don't know where I remember, but I had braces on. And, and uh, we got into it, we're bumping, pushing, bumping, pushing. Next thing you know, we're squared off. We're in Chicago, and we're talking trash and smack talking. And and I take a step to him, and boom, he throws a jab, hits me right in the mouth. Oh. 
I'm a mother, bam, jab again. I, I, I can't get my arms up. Long story short, he hits me with three straight jabs in the right in the mouth. Bust my braces. I got a wire sticking through my lip. My lip is, is stuck up in the air like this. The wire hasn't come on the outside, but it's through the inside and just pushing the lip up. Everybody breaks and fight. Blah, 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 blah. Trainer comes out, grabs me, and gets a hold of him. I'm just steady talking trash. Sorry, my like that. And I remember this. I've been down the trainer. I said, whatever you do, don't let me go. Because, <laughs> 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 hey, them three jabs came with me so fast, man. Yeah. I didn't want nothing to do with Sidney Green after that. <laughs> that wasn't good. Now, when next time we played, I wasn't going to not bounce on him and, and try to bump him and all that stuff. But I wasn't doing it probably as ugly as I was the time before. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> You're such so, a. But, yeah, it's a, it's, I, I love Charles being tough and all that. And we did have a lot of fights back then, but they usually, for the most part, were. were Two, three punches. The, the most epic fight, and I've never seen it, and it was in, I believe it was in New Jersey when the Nets played in New Jersey. And, and I think it was between Lonnie Shelton and, and Buck. Um, I can't remember Buck's last name right now, but um, and two big dudes, two power forward dudes, back when power forwards were like real power forwards. And they say, because we it was all everybody was talking about the next day, right? The fight started under one basket, swings. And I'm talking, these are two dudes. Lonnie Shell was probably 6'8, 260, and, and Buck Williams was 6'10, probably 230. And they said these two cats were throwing punches from one lane all the way down to the court and finally got in behind the basket on the other, I mean, 94 feet full of punches. And finally one guy tripped or fell down or got knocked down or whatever. Somebody else came in and, and then, then everybody jumped in. But that, that was the most epic that I've never seen film on. The basic fight, they say it started at one end of the court and finished at the other end between two guys. Oh, that's awesome. That would be awesome to see. I know it's right. not, I, I I know people frown upon it, but I love watching fights in hockey and just any sport. I just I it's just exciting to me, and I know it's frowned upon, but whatever. That's but what I like. It was really fun, and, and David Stern cleaned it up. It got a little too physical because instead of happening, you know, maybe hockey this way for a while too. Instead of happening, you know, once every five or six games, it was happening every single night. There was there was right. another another tussle. And and then, you know, when it starts to spill in the stands and now fans get involved and, you know, the, the malice, the palace probably ended, you know, for the NBA and all of a sudden the fines. I mean, my first eight or nine fights I got into probably never cost you more than $100. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Now, now I think, you know, you get, you get ejected. It's 5,000, I think. Now the money's higher too, but, but still 5,000 and then they could tack on fines on top of that. So, um, now it's, now it's, you know, well, it's just, it's me getting in a tussle right here worth a new Mercedes Benz. Right. I drive a Honda Accord, so (laughs) it wouldn't be worth it. Hey, Scotty, thank you so much for popping on. I've been wanting to get you on. I know you're busy so much with the radio show. You're on altitude 92.5. 
here in Denver. I don't care. I'll say it. You guys do a great job. Uh, what time? What's your time slot? Ten to two. Ten to two. Okay, cool. And you're also on Altitude TV. It's great to fill up your nap time. Yeah, yeah. Got to get a nap before I pick up the kids. Right. <laughs> Thank you so much for popping on again. I I can't tell you enough about how much you've influenced me as far as a in in. It's funny because I just think of you as a comic guru when it comes to. Denver Radio, so you should be proud of that. And I learned a lot from you when it came to the structure of comedy within a radio show. So I do appreciate it. And if you guys dislike my comedy style, you can blame him. So yeah, and, and look, and, and you have to admit, everybody's watching this. It, it, when it got Scott the Huff was uh, down in a small room in the basement. So I mean, that's that's where I, I can lead you. Dream big, folks. Dream big. Yeah. <laughs> 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 anyway okay you know i love you too and, and seriously you're one of my all-time favorite people so uh anytime you get stuck or need need just uh 30 minutes or 45 minutes give me a holler i'll come on anytime absolutely i truly appreciate it all right there you go that's scott hastings check him out on altitude 92.5 a i truly appreciate each and every one of you guys for tuning in don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening it's to huff uncensored let's keep moving forward i'll talk to you next time